Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A bump in the night. Your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Well, hello, and welcome to another lovely Freaky Friday. This week, it's November 11th. May I please give a shout out today? November 11th. 106th birthday of my mamma, the woman that birthed Nancy McKinney, who then birthed me. So shout out to mamma today on what would have been her 106th mamma, birthday. you're here in spirit. Oh, she's here all the time. She she <laughs> comes to me in the form of giant monarch butterflies that mm. often will like swoop at me while I'm running. Not just like, oh, I saw a butterfly. It's like, oh, I've been hit again. <laughs> I was so dive bombed like, by I'm a butterfly. Like, oh, hey, mamma. Oh, right there in the face. So hello, uh, welcome everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful Friday. Our lovely story sommelier trooper trucking through with the most beautiful Phoebe Buffet voice you've ever heard. <laughs> you're about to sing Smelly Cat so sexy today. Is I hope it's not obnoxious. I think it's better today. It is. It's significantly improved since okay. Tuesday. So if it's I, annoying to listen to, Heather, before we started recording, goes. Do you just want me to read all of them? <laughs> I was just trying to save your voice so but you're not if it's, like... If it's... Yeah. If I sound like something that you don't want to listen to, then I you, want you to read them all. You got to be honest with me. I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, no. I don't think it sounds bad. Okay. Like I said, it's just huskier. But if y'all disagree with me, you just fast forward about halfway through. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know how this or show maybe works. <laughs> this is your vibe. Maybe you like... It's like ASMR. You're yeah. like, let's read a story today. Mm-hmm. My name is Lilith. That's the first one. <laughs> That's the first one. Well, you've curated quite a lineup. We have some legal questions today mm-hmm. to go over. We have uh, a headline making. The first case involves a headline making case. Yeah. As well as some, I can't explain them, cases. So. There's a lot of I can't explain them cases. At dinner, Ella asked me what we were doing recording, and I said, freaky friday stories and she said i want to record one and i said do you have one do you have a spooky story and she goes no do you and i said no i'm just reading other people's <laughs> she goes what are they about and this is where i always have to toe the line of how much information do i give a four and a half year old yeah and i said oh you know one's about shadows Mm-hmm. One's about, you know, some people that win in a car. I have to be extremely vague. <laughs> yeah, those are technically true. Some yeah. people live in a house in one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of these, so. uh, you know, I just give like the the bare details so I don't get a thousand follow-up questions and nightmares. Yeah, you don't want to give the freaky twist away. No. She can get the setting and the characters and then any of the action. Mm-hmm. Maybe when she's older, she can listen. Say when you're older and you want to listen to the show. 
then by all means, go ahead. It's all you, When that day comes, if that day comes, I'm very curious how she's going to react to all of the stories that have been told about her. (laughs) She's going to love it. I hope. I'm sure. It's like, it makes you think of Caroline Craddock, who kind of grew up with Kid Craddock Mm -hmm. in the morning, and then eventually he passed away, and she's just like, it's this treasure trove I have of like, Mm -hmm. he was so proud of her, and he would talk about all the things that she was doing. Like, she won a soccer game, like Mm -hmm. something so innocuous, but that you might tell your coworkers, but you're also, you happen to get recorded. Yeah. So it's like a beautiful gift for her, and she gets to just hear you diarrhea yourself. (laughs) So it's great. Well, uh yeah. I'm willing to bet that she will have already heard that before she hears that actual story. True. (laughs) Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Lilith, and it is titled Serial Killer Survivor Story. My name is Lilith, and I come from the hinterland of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Like most quaint townships, you make friends with almost everyone there including neighboring shop owners. On quiet days, we stand out the front of the shops, chatting and laughing with each other. It was on one of these days that I learned my friend of many years, let's call her Sarah, had escaped a serial killer. It was in the 80s in New South Wales, and Sarah and her friend wanted to head to Sydney for a concert. They were 16 years old at the time, so they didn't have a driver's license. The minimum age for an independent driver's license is 17 years old in most states in Australia. And they knew their parents would not allow them to go anyways. So they had hatched a plan to hitchhike the two-hour commute it would take to get there, then hitchhike back again after the concert. Being that this was in the early 80s and that they lived in a smaller township in New South Wales, hitchhiking was generally considered safe, especially when traveling in pairs. So they had thought. Sarah had told her parents that she was staying in her friend's place for the night, and her friend had told her folks that she was staying at Sarah's. When the day of the concert came, they packed their backpacks and left their homes to meet up with each other at the prearranged meeting point. They set off, walking and laughing together down the road until they had reached the Hume Highway. This is the main highway that runs from Melbourne to Sydney and passes through several smaller cities along the way. They stuck their thumbs out in the universal I need a ride sign, and it wasn't long before a white four-wheel drive pulled over just ahead of them. They excitedly ran up to the vehicle laughing, and the driver, a man in his 30s with shaggy black hair, asked them where they were heading. They told him they were traveling to Sydney and asked if he could take them as far in that direction as he was heading himself. He replied that he was also on his way to Sydney, and what a lucky coincidence it was. He said his name was Bill and told them to hop in. Sarah got in the back seat, and her friend got in the front of the passenger seat next to Bill. They drove along the highway for a bit, and Bill got to chatting with them, asking them about why they were going to Sydney, about the concert, etc. Without warning, Bill turns the four-wheel drive off the highway and down a road that headed into forestry. Sarah's friend asked Bill where he was going. He replied that it was all right, he just forgot something at home, and he just lived up the road a bit further. Bill's demeanor had changed from lighthearted happy to coming off as gruff. Sarah said at this point, panic started to set in. She had tried to get the attention of her friend, but her friend sat motionless in the front seat, staring widely ahead. Sarah's instincts kicked into overdrive. She said it felt as though she was outside of herself, watching herself madly fling open the car door and throw herself out of the moving vehicle before hitting the ground below her and rolling away. 
Her feet somehow found themselves under her, and she took off sprinting away from the car. She heard a friend running behind her. Together, they ran and hid in the forestry. Sarah said Bill had stopped the vehicle and went looking for them, shouting out at them, but she doesn't remember what he was saying. He'd drive off for a bit, then would come back, get out, and continue to search for them. Finally, he drove off for good. Sarah said they had waited over an hour before attempting to leave their hiding spot. She said her friend was thankful Sarah had leapt from the vehicle because the sound of the door ripping open broke the spell of the frozen panic she was feeling and the reason why she too had escaped. They were both covered in scratches and later bruises and hurriedly made their way back down the road to the Hume Highway again, somehow still with their backpacks that neither of them had remembered grabbing. They were terrified he would be out looking for them, so they walked for hours as near to the highway as they dared for fear of being seen. Sarah said the rest of the day was a bit of a blur, but that she did remember that night. She stared hard up at her bedroom ceiling, replaying the experience over and over again, before finally falling into an exhausted sleep. She said that the next day it had all felt like a horrible, horrible dream, except for the fact that she was sore and bruised which, when I asked what her parents had said about the bruising, Sarah said she'd gotten grounded for it because she'd told them they went skateboarding and didn't have helmets or safety pads. Sarah and her friend decided not to say anything to anyone, because, let's face it, they shouldn't have been there in the first place and would be grounded for months if their parents ever found out. Fast forward to 1994. Sarah was now married and living with her husband in Queensland. One night, as she was pottering about the kitchen preparing dinner for them both, she had glanced at the news story on the TV and stopped dead in her tracks, her blood turning cold. She asked her husband, what had that man done? Her husband replied that the man had murdered a number of backpackers. She said she felt like she had turned to stone. Her husband asked her what was wrong, and she remembers whispering, his eyes, before breaking down crying and shaking. That man was the notorious backpacker serial killer, Ivan Milat. Sarah told me that she had thought about contacting the authorities at the time to tell them what she and her friend had experienced, but decided against it. It had happened so long ago, and they had no proof. Besides, with the amount of evidence stacking up against him, he would be going away for a very long time. She was also terrified his extended family may try to track her down and kill her. Sarah said looking back now, there were definitely twinges of alarm that her instincts were firing off at her. But due to teenage excitement, the anticipation of the concert, and the fact that they were knowingly doing something their parents would be mad about, she had brushed it off at the time. She also said she was an idiot, 16 years old and hitchhiking the Hume Highway. The naivety of it now is astounding. If you ladies don't know of Ivan Milat, it would be a good story for you to cover. That man deserves to be referred to as a piece of shit by Christie and quoted by Heather in her mocking quotation voice. He was a horrific serial killer, rapist, and the inspiration behind the horror movie Wolf Creek. My friend survived him. Wow. I don't know of this man, but my God, this is horrifying. I looked up a couple of short uh, 60 Minutes Australia kind of videos on it, and I was, uh, I mean, the fact that... He does have a, a scary looking visage, like you, like she said, his eyes. He, mm -hmm. I mean, and then you know what he did. And I think we probably should cover him. It'd probably be an episode, you know, two or three episodes. But um, 
there was another, honestly, I, when I was searching the one video, there was another one that was a different backpacker that had also happened to survive him. Wow. And kind of had a story about it. But when you think about, you know, it, it could be a Freaky Friday story of like, I got in a car with a weird guy and then he turned kind of weird and we had to jump out and hide from him. Don't you remember that wild thing that happened when mm-hmm. we were kids? And then years later to go, oh, because she said she's laying there playing it over in her head. And luckily, you know, you jumped out. Mm-hmm. But if you hadn't have done that, if they had both frozen, I mean, yeah. thank God she just was like, nope, and f- just flipped out. And also that your instincts kick into where it's not like, oh, maybe we are just going to his house because he forgot something. It's like, nah, this doesn't feel right. We're, uh, we're, into, we're venturing into dangerous territory. And to jump out of a moving car at any age, terrifying. At 16, that's heroic to me. I mean, you could, I mean, seriously injure yourself, if not worse, just doing that. But if you were already like, it's either this or I feel like uh, it's the end of the road one way or the other. Right. I'm going to take my chances jumping out of that car. Oh, certainly. And especially jumping out of a car in forestry. So it could be mm-hmm. branches, leaves, rocks. Whatever. You jump out and hit your head, you're gone. Or even just knock yourself out. But I think in that instant, you're like, if I don't jump out, it's worse. So I'll take the yeah. ground. Like, give me whatever. But And then what hiding. A story. Oh, my gosh. You just terrifying. Uh, walk Having to walk home like that. And I guess at the time, they wouldn't have had cell phones. So, yeah. But just feeling like at any second, what if he pulls back up? Man. Yeah, and thinking, well, your parents think I'm at your house. My parents think I'm at your house. And no, for how many hours, days is it going to be before they're like, mm-hmm. wow, she hasn't come back. You mean it gives them such a head start yeah. to, you know, disappear them. But I'm glad that they made it out. How did he kill his victims? He varied in the methods that he killed people. Some of them were shot and some were stabbed and some much, much worse. Ugh. So, yeah. Well, so glad that your friend and her friend made it out of there. And it's a good lesson that if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. So trust your gut. Get out while you can. Mm-hmm. This next one, something we've all done. It is from Lila. And the subject line is, don't Google your exes. They may be in jail for murder. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Sinisterhood fam. I'm going by Lila, fake name. I'm a huge fan of the show and especially look forward to Freaky Friday episodes each week. I'll cut straight to it. At the height of the pandemic in 2020, one runs out of things to do when you can't go out into the world. So what did I do? Start Googling ex-boyfriends to see what they were up to. What I was not expecting was that one of them was in jail for two murder charges. 
Let's call this ex Sam, also fake. Years before the incident, we met through online dating and dated on and off for about a year and didn't keep in contact after we broke up. According to all the articles, on a summer night in 2017, Sam was out at a bar when he met two girls. The group Sam was with decided to leave and go to a friend's house. Sam invited the girls and they accepted. The group ordered an Uber. However, the Uber driver denied Sam and the two girls a ride because the car was full. So, Sam ordered an Uber himself. Safe choice, right? If only. Sam had the Uber go to his house so that he could drive the girls to their destination in his two-seater Chevy Corvette. On their way, the car sped up to 138 miles per hour, ran a red light, lost control, and went airborne before slamming into three palm trees. Sam's passengers were dead on the scene, and he spent months in the hospital. He was found to have a blood alcohol content of 0.11 at the time of the crash. Due to COVID, his trial was delayed. When it finally happened in 2021, it was interesting. Sam decided to represent himself, despite warnings that it was not a good idea and knowing he came from a well-off family who could afford a good lawyer. He had no opening or closing arguments, had random outbursts, and implied that his fingerprints were, quote, planted. After a psych evaluation due to an attempted suicide, he was deemed competent to continue trial and described as dealing with, quote, an unspecified mood disorder, according to the judge. Sam was found guilty on both counts of second-degree murder. I'm not a lawyer and found it odd that it was murder and not vehicular manslaughter. Maybe you can help me understand. The way the articles describe his mood swings made me think, yep, that sounds like Sam. One of the many red flags that led me to not continue pursuing a relationship. I can't help but remember all the times, without drinking, that Sam enjoyed showing off by speeding in his sports car and I would ask him to slow down. I couldn't get out of my mind how those girls were my age at the time of their deaths and how a good night out with friends ended in tragedy due to a stranger they had just met. I included a link to an article below for your review. Thanks for reading and for all the important stories and lessons about life, choices, and chances you share with us each week. Be careful who you Google. You might not like what you find. And never drink and drive. Stay safe in your Uber. Keep it creepy, Lila. Well, Lila included two links, so I was able to look what state it's in. It's in California, which is important for the question of why it was second-degree murder and not vehicular manslaughter. Different states have different laws. Some have very specific of, like, DUI murder is a special or intoxication manslaughter. The difference here in California, they basically have first-degree murder, which is premeditated, and then second-degree murder is one that doesn't fall under that. And the requisite malice for second-degree murder is knowing that your conduct endangers the life of the other and nonetheless acting deliberately with conscious disregard. So like, you know, driving drunk at 138 miles an hour, two people, three people in a two seater, no seatbelts, you know, and you act reckless anyway. Mm -hmm. Vehicular manslaughter is the culpability that you need to prove that, which is a much lesser charge. The culpability for that is not malice. It's just gross negligence. And gross negligence is that you exercise such a slight degree of care that they pretty much presumes that you have a conscious indifference to the consequences. Like you're like, um, I got in the car and I was driving drunk and it was raining. And then I, you know, sped out of control and I hit somebody and killed them. 
if you're going the speed limit, yeah, you're driving drunk, but you're, that behavior is negligent. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're not exercising a degree of care getting behind the wheel drunk. The reason why I think they upped his charges was it was so significant that you just know what you're doing is yeah. awful and you did it anyway. Yeah. You also knew enough to get an Uber because yeah. nobody could drive. But instead of just having that be your your ride, you go and fuck it all up by getting into your own car. Point eleven is I mean, in Texas, point oh eight is uh the the legal limit. So point yeah. eleven is a lot more than that. They said in one of the articles he had, I believe, five vodka mixed drinks in an hour. Oh, so, I mean, was going for broke. And then another witness, one of the friends that got in the Uber called him and said, hey, where are you? And he's like, oh, well, we had to make a pit stop. We're on our way. And the friend said, you're not driving, are you? You really cannot drive. And mm-hmm. he said, don't worry about it and hung up and then still drove. And so that's why they charged him with second degree murder. And in California, that argument's a good point when you're like, well, isn't it vehicular manslaughter? And the case in California is people v. Watson. So they call it a Watson murder in California because it is someone was charged with murder and vehicular manslaughter and tried to argue, well, these are, you know, you can only charge me with one and the the requirements are the same. And the court clarified and said, no, no, no. Vehicular manslaughter, gross negligence, lower standard, second degree murder for killing someone while drunk driving is like this actual malice. So it's, I mean, like she's like, uh, Lila said, it's absolutely heart wrenching that these two women just like Mm -hmm. met new friends at a club and we're going to go and hang out. And then this all happened. We've all done it, but I just, Mm -hmm. I gotta say it's not worth it. Don't get in that car. If, if you know, they shouldn't be driving. It's not, it's not worth it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a lot of pressure in the moment of like, mm-hmm. oh, come on, you know, whatever. And it's just really hard. And it's just heartbreaking what happened to them. Oh, yeah. And thank God for rideshare services. I think that's probably saved way more lives than, mm-hmm. but, you know, because before they existed, you know, if a taxi wasn't around, people would go, ah, fuck it, you know, I'll yeah. risk it. So. Yeah. Well, this next one is from Rwanica, and this is called Haunting of the Shadows. Let me start off by saying I absolutely love you guys, and you've become my literal best friends and role models. Now, on to the happenstance. So my sister and I are only one year apart, so we basically grew up as twins, thinking the same, doing the same, being everywhere together, etc. Separate, we were absolute angels, but together, chaos ensued. Being so close, we usually had the same friends at school, and one day in our wee years, around 11 or 12, our mutual friend informed us that she had learned something new, something spooky. We loved things spooky, so of course, ever curious, asked her what it was. Well, she informed us that apparently, if you ever saw more than one shadow, the second shadow was an evil one out to get you. And if you had more than two, oh boy, were you screwed. While we took the information in, we never paid it much attention until after school when we went to the playground. Some quick backstory. Our mom was a single working mother, so she usually worked 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. shifts, which meant we were in charge of ourselves for some time after school. If it was nice weather, we went to chill at the playground before going home. That day, while doing said chilling, the unthinkable happened. A second shadow appeared to my sister, and boy did we freak when I also looked at my shadow and saw... There were two. 
It became scarier when my sister swore she saw the second shadow move to point a gun at her head. And what's worse, she looked up at the clouds and saw a clown. She was deathly afraid of clowns, and that was surely an ominous sign. Panicked, we rushed home, locked ourselves in the living room, and grabbed some weapons. So there we were, 11 or 12-year-old girls holding a knife and scissors to fight off shadows and ghosts, as our other friend once happened to mention she saw a ghost in our house, which I reflect on now is why we spent so much time on the playground. We were troops, waiting with our weapons, ready for everything, seconds ticking, fear creeping. After 7 p.m. loomed around, we decided to be brave and venture out of the house and meet our mother halfway on her walk back from work. We thought it would be safer this way. So we walk out. It was fall winter time, so dark outside. The streetlights were lit, and there were double, triple, quadruple shadows everywhere. They were out to get us. Tears started coming. We were beyond freaking out and started running, and that's when we spotted our mother. We literally fell into her arms with relief. Boy, what a day she must have had, coming home from a long shift at work, finding your daughters out on the street panicked and in tears, and having to explain to the young idiots how light refraction works. I wish I could say I was less gullible now. I love that, though, because that is some shit I would have believed as a kid. First of all, it's something my sister would have told me and been like, if you have two shadows, that means you're cursed. I'd be like, fuck, I'm cursed. That's like the I'm kids trying that to think of, do you have two shadows? Yeah, like there's two different light sources. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Well, I told you, I've said before on the show, um, in high school, my friend and I were very high sitting in her room in front of a mirror and just trying to understand how mirrors worked. And <laughs> <laughs> to this day, no idea. Couldn't tell no. you. I think they're made Something out of sand, which is, that alone is, I can't wrap my head around. So I bet the two are related. Sand and light mirrors? refraction has to do with light, mirrors, light, mirrors. It's just light bouncing around glass, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> Maybe. And if that's true, then what's a camera? <laughs> Dude, don't get me started on camera. A camera is a mirror with no back. God, but how does it get the picture? And then Flips you it see it. upside down, stamps it. It's so crazy. <laughs> Cameras wild. are wild. It Phones, really is. electricity. Oh Think about it. We're living in the future. <laughs> how... How someone was like, I'm going to pick up this instrument and then across town, you'll be able to hear me talking into it. And now we all just do that with small computers. We're talking right now simultaneously in two different locations. Wild. This is Alexander Graham Bell who stole his invention, but it's his dream. (laughs) Who'd he steal it from? I don't know. Some other guy. I think he worked at a patent office. That might be someone else. But it's one of those where you're like, you think he invented the telephone, but really... (gasps) Uh, but I, I think every day I paid today at Marshall's. <laughs> oh, what'd you get at Marshall's? Got some nice sweaters. Oh, nice. And uh, I paid with my watch and I was like, this is just the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Wild stuff. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, this next one is from Allison Hinman, and the subject line is Sleepwalking Creepy Kid Locked Outside and Alien Abduction. Hello again, ladies. I wrote y'all a few days previously about the serial killer William Reese and my missed abduction. I was listening to one of the Freaky Friday episodes, and it reminded me of something creepy and terrifying, for my parents mostly, that happened to me when I was five years old. I can't tell you what happened before I was found, but I may have sleptwalked a quarter mile to the Randall's grocery store near my childhood home in Houston, Texas, in the middle of the night, alone. My mom and dad were sound asleep in their bedroom on the other side of our split floor plan house. My mom wakes up to what she said was me faintly saying, Mommy, Mommy, over and over again. How freaking creepy is that? Never more than in a barely audible voice. She heads to the other side of the house to see what the issue is, and I'm not in my room, not in the bathroom, and not in the spare room. She starts screaming for my dad, Allison is missing, and they start frantically searching cabinets, closets, and behind furniture. I'm nowhere to be found, but my mom can still hear me calling her. Finally, they notice our golden retriever, Tanae, sniffing the bottom of the front door side to side with those big sniffs dogs do when they're trying to smell something they can't quite reach. My dad slings open the locked front door to see me standing in the middle of the street, still calling to my mom. He runs out, snatches me up, and runs me back inside where they thoroughly check me over. I was completely fine and still completely asleep. They take me to their bed and put me in between them to sleep the rest of the night. Neither one slept for the rest of that night. The next day, my dad installs a U-bar lock at the very top of the door where I could not reach it and also installs a lock on the sliding glass back door that I also could not reach. I did sleepwalk some more, but never actually escaped to outside. Here's where things get weird, as if me ending up outside in the street behind a locked door wasn't weird enough. I have a memory that I'm not sure is real or I made up. I specifically remember sitting on the planter outside the doors of the Randall's grocery store that was a quarter mile away, and not being able to go inside because it was closed. There is no reason I should have a memory of sitting on the planter. My parents would never have tried to take me to the grocery store that late when they would be closed, and then have me sit on the planter. So, I leave you with these questions. Did a five-year-old child walk in the middle of the night to the store alone and asleep? How did I get outside behind a locked door? How did my mom hear me from her bedroom at the back of the house when I was using a barely audible voice outside on the street? Super mom powers, maybe? Was I abducted by aliens and then brought back, and instead of being placed in the safety of the house, I was placed in the street? If it was aliens, rude, because I would have liked to have had some sort of memory of them. Let me know what you think. Y'all are the bomb.com. Keep it creepy. Love, Allison Hinman. This is one that at the dinner table, I tried to kind of tell Ella, I didn't give details, but I said, oh, there was one where um, a little kid was uh, found outside in the in the street because they were sleepwalking and they didn't know how they got outside. Ella's like, 
Maybe they went out the front door. I said, well, but the door was locked. And then Tommy said, maybe there was a doggy door. Oh. Which I thought was a reasonable explanation, especially she mentions they have a dog. I don't know, Allison, if the house had a, a doggy door, but Ella's crawled out of my mom's doggy door. She used to crawl out that thing all the time when she was little, all the freaking time. It just went into I the would... backyard, <laughs> luckily. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you would have a doggy door that would go out into, into the Into the front yard, yeah. You would have to go out, back door, out a gate, out around mm-hmm. to the front. And especially, like, if the dog was sniffing at the front door, you yeah. know, if the, the dog was like, oh, something's mm-hmm. out there, I'll just go out and look. We had another one like this, too. Yeah. Where the kid was in the street and then went over to the grandparents' house and everybody was asleep. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, little kids, they'd be sneaking out. Or they'd be getting abducted. I don't know what's going on. The aliens are like, just leave them. They'll find just their way. Just whatever. It's close enough. Just leave them right there. <laughs> They're mouthy. They'll yell for their mom. It's, it's fine. It's uh, the the memory of the Randall's grocery store. I, I, I mean, if that happened, that's wild. And thank God they were safe. But a quarter mile to walk without being spotted, a five-year-old doing that, that's a long ways to go. Yeah, no coyotes, chupacabra, anything out Mm-mm. late at night. Gotcha. Um, I do think that it's super mom powers hearing you because I feel like yeah. if Ella was whispering in the front yard, you'd be like, She's uh, yeah. Or it's like that sixth sense kicks in. You're like, did I hear something? You you might not have even actually heard it. You just thought you heard something because something felt off, and then that caused you to go to go look for them. I'll also say, Allison. That I have read your other entry and I emailed you because I wanted some more information about this. You're also brushed with a serial killer, which, my God, sliding doors all over the place. Mm-hmm. How, I wonder we never know who we encounter. Yeah, maybe you know? you, there, more of them are getting caught now, you know, with DNA. So then you mm-hmm. are able to recognize, oh, that is the person that, right. that I encountered. Oh, that's eerie. Well, you'll write us back, Allison. We want to know more <laughs> deets. Thanks for sending that in. We appreciate mm-hmm. it. The next one is from Lydia. And the subject line is, the time I accidentally talked to a psychic. Hi, I love the show. And I'm so glad you started Freaky Friday because the stories have reminded me of a few freaky incidents I had forgotten about. The mind is great at ignoring things you're not ready to process. Anyway, here's my story. During freshman year, my English teacher had us write a research paper. My topic was on poltergeist, specifically on debunking the phenomenon through science. This was a Christian college, so I'm sure my professor was not thrilled with that topic, but I was planning to transfer to a state college and didn't care. As part of the project, we had to conduct interviews. Online interviews were allowed, and I opted for that since I was lazy. This was back in the days of AOL, so I logged in and searched the AIM directory for people with paranormal stuff in their profiles. Then I did a mass email with my set of questions. I got enough responses to fulfill that requirement, so I wrote my paper and transferred schools. A few months later, I was on AOL and got an IM from one of the participants. Back then, anyone can message you unless you block them. All I remember is that it was a psychic from Texas. He didn't chat, but instead started IMing me info about my life. Here are the things he said. 1. I wouldn't marry the guy with brown eyes born in April. Instead, I would marry a guy with blue eyes. At the time, I was dating a guy with brown eyes whose birthday was in April. Thankfully, that didn't work out because I found out a few years later that he was a serial cheater. I'm now married 16 years to a great guy with blue eyes. 2. 
A man born in January with green eyes put a curse on me. This one was freaky because my dad was born in January and had green eyes. At this point, I shut down the conversation by blocking the psychic. It's hard to even call it a conversation because I wasn't participating much. It was just word vomit, like when Professor Trelawney gets a prophecy in Harry Potter. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My dad was an okay guy. There was no reason to think he had cursed me, and I didn't believe in the type of curses you see in scary movies. However, I did believe in abstract generational curses. Still, I didn't see how my dad, who spent most of his life sitting in an armchair complaining about politics, was the cursing type. Fast forward to the 2016 election. Didn't all of our lives change drastically then? I began to deconstruct many of my beliefs, which didn't make my dad happy. I started to see a different side to him and eventually went to therapy when I realized there was a thing such as a covert narcissist, and he had many of those traits. I now realize that my upbringing orbited around my dad's personality and caused a lot of difficulty for my sister, me, and my mom, although my mom isn't in a place to see it. It was difficult for us to form relationships with each other because we had to reflect my dad's preferences or risk being mocked or ignored. Mom was the scapegoat and is more damaged because she's been with him since she was 16. Growing up, we all walked on eggshells trying to mirror dad and not hurt mom's feelings, who was always fragile because of the belittling. My sister and I are much closer now that we've discovered this piece of our family puzzle. Our childhood was strange, but we can never put our finger on why. We were taken care of and always had what we needed. But, sadly, we were emotionally neglected. Emotional neglect is a form of trauma and will always affect us, so I guess that is a curse, but not an intentional curse. My dad's childhood stories also reveal a lot of neglect from his parents, and I believe he was passing down what he knew. Sadly, his generation doesn't see value in therapy or self-help, so I don't see him changing. I'm determined not to pass this generational curse onto my children. I know I'll never be a perfect parent, but I can say that our home is warmer and more emotionally safe than I experienced growing up. Thanks for reading my story. I have two more, but I need to ask my family if they remember them happening before I send them in. I grew up during satanic panic, so who knows if these particular stories are real. If they are, I'll send them your way. Well, uh, one, I just got to shout out the AOL AIM system. because oh, man. I remember it well. We were talking about this the other day. You would get CDs that had minutes on them because at the time you had to pay per minute. So I would get one and my mom would set a timer because if it was like over 15 or 30 minutes or whatever, then I'd have to turn it off because you had to pay. Also, you were taking up the phone line. Oh, yeah. Kids, it was rough. Yeah. Like <laughs> you had to decide if your parents were like, no one's going to call. We did have a separate phone line that was my sister's number. And there was before she moved out as a grown up, there was contention of like, I wanted to download 3D images of South Park. And she probably had friends and boyfriends. <laughs> <to talk> to. <laughs> 
You're like, I need the phone. And she's like, you're not even talking. You're just downloading pictures. You're downloading 3D renderings of what Cartman looks like on South Park. <laughs> so many floppy disks, not floppy disks, but like the three and a half inch disks mm-hmm. full of just weird pictures I downloaded. But yeah, AOL Instant Messenger was startling because you could get messages from mm-hmm. anybody. And if you know, you had gone out and given your name to, you know, by virtue of asking for the answers to these questions, they just had your name there. That's wild about the boyfriend, though, that it was, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like his name is Gerald and he, you know, is this tall. That's like, but shot in the dark, that's pretty specific as far as being right, shot in the dark wise. I thought the most interesting part of this was the discussion about generational trauma and Mm -hmm. curses, because I think that's something that is so common that isn't talked about a ton, but the more it is talked about, then I think we all start to be like, oh, yeah, that's that wasn't just you. Like, a lot of people went through that. We And we're all trying to do better. You know, we all want our kids to have it better than, than we had. So I, I appreciate that she kind of made that connection of, well, this is a curse in a way, you know, yeah, and, it's and it's up carry. to me to like break that. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, the, the psychic hit it spot on because that long, long exposure to trauma like that mm-hmm. definitely alters your being. And is that a curse? If it is, I think you can break it. And it's by mm-hmm. self-care and self-help and introspection. And you're doing the doing the hard work. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you and your sister have gotten closer. I think yes. that it's so awesome to you know be able to be close to your siblings once you Absolutely. grow up. For well, sure. Thank you very much for sending that in Lydia this final one is from Jocelyn and the subject line is Colorado's most haunted road ruined my life for 20 years hi friends I'm Jocelyn a true crime fanatic cryptid aficionado and longtime hauntee courtesy of multiple ghosties here's the story of the one that followed me until I brought her home 20 years later once a week Every week for 20 years, I would have the same nightmare. The earliest documented complaint I had about this dream came when I was almost four. I told my parents in my eerie, infantile voice, I see a scary lady at night. Now, I was a spooky little child who had more than once told my parents I was playing with the little boy who lived on the fridge. So I assumed they thought nothing of it. I was wrong. The nightmare was always the same, barring a change of scenery when we'd move houses. I would be laying in bed, snug under the covers, before I woke up, in quotation marks, because I was still dreaming. My room would look exactly the way it actually was, all the way down to the comforter I had at the time. I always knew what came next. I'd watch as my doorknob twisted, slowly, agonizingly slowly. Sometimes it would creak, sometimes it wouldn't, but it would always reveal the subject of my never-ending horror. A woman in a white dress, the skirt is always torn and ratty, singed in some places. The bodice is a beautiful, ornate vintage one, like something that came from a few generations ago. But its beauty, her beauty, is stained by blood. It's deep red, so dark it's almost black, as it blossoms across the embroidered top. To this day, I can see the pattern of the beadwork on it. It comes from the right side of her body, darkest there, spilling down across her, staining the white of her tattered dress. And then, what can you do but make eye contact? Or at least try. Her face is the worst part of it all. Long brown hair that falls around the front of her face, a well-rounded chin, the kind that old movie stars would become famous for. 
a smile, wide and almost warm, almost welcoming if it didn't feel so panicked. A smile that said she wanted to tell you something. A smile that makes you want to ask what it is she needs to say, and then nothing. Whatever happened to her, it seems like a head injury was part of it. She's missing the upper left half of her face, the right half if you're looking at her like I do. You can see part of her nose and her other eye, but beside that, there's just gore. Gore and blood and brain and hair, and it doesn't matter what she wants to tell you, because she never can. She just stands there and smiles until it's over, and I wake up. One morning, when I was 17, I complained to my mother again. I had the lady dream again last night. She was quiet for a moment. Did we ever tell you the other part of that story, she asked? So, rewind about 16 years. It's 1996. I was born in Colorado, but the majority of my extended family lived in a tiny town in Iowa. When I was a little over a year old, we were driving from nowhere, Iowa, all the way back to Colorado. It's about a 14-hour drive with GPS and a 17-hour drive back in the 90s with state maps being the height of navigation technology. Now, the drive's long, but it's pretty mind-numbing. Few interstates, a couple of highways, and you're home. So... My dad takes a wrong turn off of Interstate 76 and keeps going for a while before realizing the mistake he'd made. But my mom began to panic. She couldn't explain why, but they needed to turn around, like, immediately. Well, he didn't understand why, but he was 19, freshly married, and had a one-year-old in the back, so he turned around. They got home safely, got me to bed, and fell asleep after a long, grueling drive. And as my mom slept, she woke up in a dream where she watched her doorknob turn slowly and watched as the door swung open and watched as a woman with half of her face in a blood-stained white dress come to the end of her bed, stand there with a smile for what felt like hours, and before the woman turns, walks across the hallway in that tiny apartment, she disappeared into my room. My mom woke up, ran into my nursery, and saw nothing. She told herself it was just a strange nightmare after a strange night and shook it off until we moved back to Iowa when I was almost four years old, until I started talking about seeing a scary lady at night, until I grew up describing in sometimes too graphic detail the image of this horrifying woman who haunted me for 20 years, until we moved back to Colorado. We returned to my hometown for the last couple of years of my college career, and I've lived here ever since. An added bonus to all the natural beauty? Like a switch being flipped, I haven't seen the woman since the day we moved back. For a long time, the road we'd gotten lost on was just, quote, the weird road north of Denver, until we learned about the most haunted road in Colorado at a Halloween event our second or third year of living here, the second time around. Riverdale Road, just north of Denver, right off of I-76, full of urban legends and feelings of dread, Demons, jogging specters that knock on your car windows, sightings of bodies hanging from the tree under a full moon, and a family that was supposedly burned while they slept by their own husband slash father. The so-called gates of hell in Colorado ruined my life for about 20 years. But I guess we know what she wanted to say all those years. She wanted to go home. Well... Who's going to be in Denver this weekend? Me and you. <laughs> Me and Honest. you. And Tommy. Gwen. I don't know how far north it is. 
Maybe we, we take this. a drive. We got we got a rental car. We can do whatever yeah, we I want. Yeah, we, I think we got to take a drive. I was just reading several of the links that uh, – I was just reading several of the links that Jocelyn sent, and it sounds pretty spooky. Sounds pretty scary. Anytime it's just like out in the middle of kind of nowhere and there's just land everywhere, I mean, that in and of itself is eerie. But then when you have – all this negative energy and stories of things happening, it's going to fuck with your mind. Yeah, there's probably something going on there. Some energy, some ley lines, some mm. rushing something under it, like rushing water or something under it. You never know, mm-hmm. something that gives it that energy. But yeah, we had to go there, go at night, roll the windows down, chant. God, you have just <laughs> gone rogue from <laughs> how far you've off, come now I'm wild. from... What'd you say? I said, I cut my hair off and now I'm wild. Yeah, well, they say you hold a lot of stuff in your hair. So when you cut it off, which, by the way, looks great, it, you. um, you're like kind of shedding part of your old self and taking on. So now you're going to be into real creepy things. <laughs> this is what happens. <laughs> I was so scared. And Laurel at Collective Salon, shout out, cut, you know, six inches off my hair. And now I'm like, let's do a Ouija board in the middle of fucking Riverdale Road. <laughs> it's like Heather was possessed. Her her corpse looks great, though. She's got yeah. a good looking haircut. She's like, where where's the where's an abandoned building? I'm going to go spend the night in there by myself. Let's fucking do it, man. <laughs> Gosh, well. We may have to check it out. We're gonna do it. We uh, we're we're doing some stuff in Colorado this weekend, including on staying the at a haunted hotel. We're doing on the ground research, doing some boots on the ground research, and recording an episode. Let's do it, rogue style. It's we're doing it's it. <laughs> six inches of hair off style. We're yeah. taking our own mics. We're just <laughs> sitting in the hotel room. We're going to see what we can capture. Let's get creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's get haunted. Let's not get possessed, though. I don't want to do that. So You're going to mock me, so I'm going to just tell you on the air, and I'm sure we'll talk about the episode. I've brought several um, protective religious artifacts with me. (laughs) Well, I'm not a religious person, but I appreciate the sentiment. I do, however, have holy water. (laughs) That being said, because I got it at a witch store, so uh, I can bring that. And I also (laughs) was going to bring my um, pendulum and several like protective crystals. Nice. Yeah, I need to bring some protective crystals. I have my uh, St. Benedict door hanger and a little figurine in my my, uh, bracelet I wear. That's like a... Well, I've, yeah. we're also bringing Tommy, who, you know, yeah. he'll just kick a ghost ass. So <laughs> We learned from the baseball players of the Fister, we need to bring a baseball bat. Because apparently you sleep with a bat and you just fight the ghosts. Yep, that's what we'll do. It'll be so fun. Well, we appreciate this, Jocelyn. And thanks for making us aware of this road, especially perfect timing right before we have an opportunity mm-hmm. to go and see it. Yes. Thank you, Jocelyn. Thank you, everybody else, for sending in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. 
As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those on ruling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions, and our next one is November 16th at 8 p.m. Central. And for our getting into it, you can do the live stream. You can vote on what we're going to do for the live stream. We'll put the poll up next week. So go ahead and sign up for Patreon now. You That way, when as soon as we post the links for this, it will be as a Patreon push. So you'll get it to your email. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be November 17th, where one of those bonus contents will let you vote Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, whatever. And we do it live and we record together in the studio. We got the new chairs, too. Oh, they're so comfy. It's going to be a debut of our new chairs. <laughs> And your new hair. Hairs and chairs. <laughs> Hairs and chairs. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. You want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos? Visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. Get some of those beanies. It's beanie weather. It's hoodie weather. Uh Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterHoodPod. Like us on Facebook at SinisterHood. You can also follow us on TikTok and YouTube at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, what's your AOL Instant Messenger screen name these days? God, what <laughs> was my AIM name? Mine was lowercase o, capital O, or maybe a zero, capital P, lowercase rinses, four, number BSB. <laughs> Big O, little O, maybe like tildes on the side. It was like very. What were the O's? Just decoration? Just to like decorate it. Oh, okay. Like a little whoop on each side. Oh, man. What was mine? I think it may have been just my initials and my birth date. It was (laughs) like, come and kill me at (laughs) AOL.com. Here's my social security number. Why why did I put all that information? But you would just get random things message to you and it'd just be like pop up and it'd be like asl and you're like i don't know who this person is it's mm-hmm. wild AOL no. was wild back in the day and i my was so because i watched like 2020 or dateline like i would watch those that's i accidentally watched that when i was a kid and i saw the dentist the oral surgeon that was taking sexual advantage of his mm-hmm. patients and i saw it before i had oral surgery in second grade and i was like terrified so i would see like online predators are stuck in kids so it'd be like asl and i'd be like oh hi <laughs> <laughs> just make it up they're like 
BSB, what are you into? And you're like, that's the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> they're like, Backstreet Boys, yes, they're the greatest band. <laughs> well, my current uh, social media information is Christy M. Wallace on Instagram and Christy or GTFO on Twitter and TikTok. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on my Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the world and aim at Howie's Princess. <laughs> Howie D's Princess. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Say.